0: Welcome to episode five of Maximus: Men Striving for Greatness. I'm Chris Silver, your host and member of the Life Family and Outreach Team for the Catholic Archdiocese of Sydney. Today on the show, is something a bit different. We've been focusing so much on masculinity and getting really leaders in Catholic masculine spirituality from around the country onto our show, but today. We've got a woman talking to us about, well, I guess, both both masculinity and femininity. Uh, Welcome to the show, Karen Doyle.
1: Thank you. It's a joy to be here with you and a topic that I really enjoy talking about. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, very, very excited to have you here, Karen. Today, Karen's, uh, well, she's got some experience speaking to men about femininity and how we as men can love, serve, and, and somewhat understand women. I don't think we can understand women completely. Um, that's the beauty of the mystery, isn't it, Karen? That's
1: right. That's right.
0: <laughs> that's right. Um, so before we jump into our topic for the day, first of all, I'd like to encourage all of you who watch or listen to this to join our Facebook group called Maximus Men. And if you haven't liked our page, Maximus Men Striving for Greatness, please like that too. But in our group, we have a weekly challenge. You'll hear about the weekly challenge on every episode towards the end of our conversations. And last week, uh, as some of you will remember, we had Steve Lear from Men Alive on the show, and he challenged men over the last seven days to make at least half an hour of quiet time just in prayer with our Lord. Um, We're so swamped with information, coming to us through our computer screens. Uh, A lot of us are less busy in terms of traveling around and seeing people in person at this time. Uh, That's changing again a little bit now, but yet our minds and our eyes are so drawn to these screens. We've got content coming at us all the time. And so just to take a step away from that for at least half an hour, 20 minutes, 15 minutes a day, um, but Steve particularly said if you could do half an hour in one go once a week or even up to an hour in one go once a week, um, that, that's the challenge. And so we continue to encourage you guys to keep going with that. I'm going to say an opening prayer, Karen, and then we'll get into this interview.
1: Sounds good. Sounds
0: good. Great. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Jesus, you are the agent of creation, and you as God created us, male and female. And there's a deep beauty and mystery in that complementarity, how you created us to live our lives in mission, in love for you as men and women in this world. We pray that through this conversation that you would allow men to understand the gift that we're meant to be, um, in our authentic masculinity, and to understand the, the beautiful depth of the feminine heart of all the women in our lives, whether they be our mothers, our wives, our girlfriends or just our friends, and how we can support um, love and serve um, the feminine hearts in our lives. And we'll ask for our ladies' intercession as we head into this conversation. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for jumping in with the second half of the Hail Mary there. No (laughs) worries, I
1: think I was joining in from the start. (laughs) So good.
0: Oh, good, good.
1: Oh, it's a great mission that you have. I Just listening to you sort of explain a little bit more about it, I'm just really supportive of it. As you know, with YMG, I've been a big supporter yeah. of that movement. I just think it's just a, I want to really encourage you with your mission here because it's so needed and it's such a blessing. So good on you.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, in the Light Family and Outreach Office, Men's Ministry is part of our portfolio and we were putting a really big focus on doing some big events this year, which uh, we've had to postpone most of those. We might be able to do some later in the year, um, which we'll be announcing on, on this show as soon as we can get dates for that. Uh, but we wanted to do something to keep supporting men and have something that they can listen to, a little bit of a online digital community that they can go to, just so that there's something there for them. Because a lot of the men's groups, um, they're not meeting some of them are meeting on zoom, but not all of them are. And so we wanted to put some content out there for them. So, so thanks for supporting it, Karen. Yeah,
1: great. Well, thank you.
0: Great. So Karen, you've got an extensive CV, especially around the areas of relationships, masculinity, and femininity. Can you give us a bit of your background story and how you became passionate about these issues?
1: Well, it's an interesting story because I never set out to do this. My um, background was that I trained as an oncology palliative care nurse and I worked in a big hospital in Sydney for many years, moved back to Canberra and got engaged to Jonathan. And shortly after we were married, he came home one day and he said to me, do you want to go on an adventure? And I was thinking a camping trip or something. Anyway, he moved us right up to far north Queensland to live and work in a boys' boarding school of all places. Wow. A couple of things about me that I said I would never do is I'd never marry anyone with their own business. We set up our own company. I said I'd never do public speaking and I never work with teenagers. (laughs) So... (laughs) It was quite funny. So none of this was actually on my to-do list. Um, And how I kind of fell into this area of relationships was uh, we were living and working in this boys boarding school and the second year that we were there the registered nurse from the health clinic quit only like 24 hours before school went back with 500 students arriving. And the headmaster asked if I'd take over the role as director of the health clinic. And I felt like I didn't really have a choice. So I said, yes. And that's sort of what put us on this path, I guess, living and working in the school, seeing a lot of the issues that were happening for young men, particularly around relationships, pornography, just their value, how they valued women. And so Jonathan and I began to write programs for the students. And then after two years there, Jonathan came home again. He said, do you want to go on another adventure? I was like, okay, where are we going now? And so we moved from far north Queensland right down to Melbourne to study at the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and Family Studies. And I guess there solidified, I guess, a lot of our formation. I mean, we both growing up Catholic and had been really formed but this sort of higher end study in theology of the body and the value and dignity of the human person I guess gave us a real framework and foundation for the programs that we were running. And then during our time down in Melbourne we set up Choices Media and we began doing sexuality relationship seminars in schools and staff nights and parent nights and so Choices has been around now, I think for 16 years. And so we did a lot of seminars, but we also produced resources for schools. So a few years ago, we sold our seminar part of Choices, the school seminar um, to a fantastic young couple who continue that work. And we continue to produce resources for Catholic schools in this area. So I guess branching off from that, we were invited to speak at various conferences on relationships. I always had a real passion for, I guess, the genius of womanhood and John Paul II's teaching on the feminine genius and the value and dignity of women. And so I, when I was at the Institute really honed in on that area. And so wrote a few books and, and started doing talks around that. And that also led to myself and another woman founding sisterhood, which is a national Catholic women's movement. So I guess, That and then the school's work is really how all of this came about for us. Um, Yeah, and it's been a huge privilege. I guess now Jonathan and I, he does a lot in Catholic teacher formation and I do a lot in the women's space and we both speak at um, men's events and conferences and it's been a huge privilege just speaking around the world on these topics but i think the bigger privilege for me is always listening and listening to the lives and the stories of people who come to share with us after we've spoken and i think that's where my real heart is is walking alongside people for a time in whatever area it is, whether it's relationship or some kind of situation they're facing. And and that too has taught me an enormous amount in terms of how men and women operate in this space. And I guess people sharing their stories with you opens your eyes to, I guess, the, the range of challenges and situations that people encounter. So, yeah, that's kind of my journey.
0: That's incredible. And I think it speaks really beautifully to what can happen when you remain open to the Holy Spirit and his yeah. promptings in your what, life.
1: What you say I'll never do and God's like, hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: We will fix you. <laughs> yeah. So I've got
0: another plan. <laughs> that's
1: right. So I think you're right. I have learned to be open and, and to be guided by him. And I guess now looking back on 20 years in this space, I can see how God was strategically moving Jonathan and I all along. Um, to bring us to a particular point. But at the time, you never see that. You just have to faithfully take each step, I think.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you've spoken at a few men's conferences. How did you get into speaking at a a men's (laughs) conference and and what motivates you to actually do that?
1: (laughs) I know. (laughs) It was quite funny. After one conference, this elderly man came up and he goes, what is a nice young girl like you doing talking to men about pornography? (laughs) (laughs) I say, well, that's a a very good question. Again, it just happened. It wasn't something I sought out at all. I think the Holy Spirit sought me out for some reason. But um, back in, I think it was 2004, Jonathan was invited to give a keynote at the Young Men of God Conference in Canberra when it began. And so he spoke at a number of those conferences. And I think it was the third one. They actually asked if both of us would present a workshop series on relationships which we did i was a little nervous i'd never really spoken to me before Mm. and um so we gave that series and it went very well but you know i had the security of jonathan by my side and the following year rolled around and they rang and they said look we'd really love to invite both of you to speak but we'd like you karen to give a keynote And at that point I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm not sure I'm up for that. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I said yes yet again and God put a message. I was sort of begging him. I was like, I do not know what to say to these men. But he did put a message in my heart and I think if I look back, I probably say this is a signature message that I give. is very much around this idea of complementarity between men and women. Mm -hmm. And so That was the first conference I spoke at, and I think ever since, and that was back in 2007, and I think I've spoken at most conferences each year from that point, and it's been an enormous privilege actually to step into that space with men and to, I guess, see their hunger and their desire to really grow into the fullness of who they've been created to be as men, but also their deep desire to really want to love women and to want to care and to want to understand them. It was it was funny actually, funny story. The second conference that I spoke at, they rang me and they said, last year was great. We'd like you to speak again. And I said, okay, what's your topic? And they said, the key to unlocking a woman's heart. And I kind of had a chuckle because I said to them, I said, Oh, you're sweetly deluded if you think there's only one key. To unlocking a woman. and then once you found that one key it's going to be the same key next week next month next year so they were a little baffled but I helped them and, and I think that's sort of what then shaped the messages was that they were really seeking to understand the heart of a woman and how they could yeah. better love her and so I guess that's what's formed a lot of my message messaging when I'm speaking to men is I guess giving that insight so it's been a huge privilege. I feel really blessed and and I've learned so much. It's been just really lovely, actually.
0: Yes, it's really an incredible story. I think it's doing a great service to the church. Now, you're talking about the keys. There's several of them to unlocking all of
1: <laughs> How <laughs> long have you got?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, as soon as you said, well, of course, there's not only one. I was like, yeah, of course. Well, I have learned that much in just a couple of years of marriage. <laughs> um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah can, can you speak to, to what some of, the, I, mean, I mean, maybe the more common keys are?
1: Yeah. Look, I will. And I'll just preface it with this idea. I spoke about complementarity and I think, I won't go into this too much, but we all know the story of creation, that man and woman are called to come alongside each other and, and we know that the man was alone. God said it's not good for the man to be alone or create a helpmate and I think this, uh, this word helpmate has its origins in the word divine aid and divine help. And it's actually in relationship with each other that we discover the fullness of what it means to be male and female, created in God's image. And so when I talk to anyone about relationships, I talk about the fact that we're called to come alongside... Sorry, I've just got it. <clears throat> we're called to come alongside in a relationship of complementarity, but I think... Now, problems lie in relationships when we actually don't know how to do the coming alongside part, that we see our differences as problems and we see our differences as obstacles to us being happy. But I think I like to flip that on its head a little bit and encourage people to have a mindset shift that what if we actually, these differences were there to call us out of ourselves into a relationship of self-gift, of, self, you know, of putting, laying our lives down and understanding another person. And so I think when we frame the differences and the, the keys to a woman's heart, a lot of men laugh at the conference. They don't actually believe it is possible. There's like roaring laughter when I tell them that's the topic. <coughs> Excuse me. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to unpack them into about five key areas And I think these are really helpful because if you surveyed a group of 100 men and asked them to write their top needs and you surveyed 100 women and asked them to write their top needs, I don't think the top needs of men and women are actually going to cross over. We're not going to get much common ground. So it is really helpful to understand. I often say it's like going on a trip and having a roadmap. So if you're going to enter a relationship with women, then you kind of need a roadmap. And I I think these keys offer that. So a couple of them are around, you know, listening, romance, the need for non-sexual affection. I think this idea of only having eyes for her and purity and leadership and security. So I think they're some of the main ones that, and the main things that women are looking for in men
0: yeah, that's that's really, really beautiful. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, with, with the romancing side of things, I, I, don't, I don't know if any of, of the other guys watching or listening feel the same way, but my wife and I were even talking about how it's been hard to do, like, date nights and that sort of thing um, when we've been in lockdown and that. Uh, we, we actually did get to go to a restaurant on the weekend, which was oh, yeah. great. <laughs> um, but before that... You know, it was kind of tough to think about like what what could I actually do? Um, have you got any creative tips on how men can romance their their brides their in in unique circumstances when restaurants are shut?
1: <laughs> oh, look, we found it really challenging. So we've been we just had our nineteenth wedding anniversary, and we have three children. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. And so we have three children under twelve. Anyway there was no restaurants. This is the 28th of April and we can't, we we're outside and we came in and they cooked dinner and they'd set the table for us. So that was, that was very nice. But in terms of romance, I think it's really important to preface it by saying, and I think it's really helpful for men to understand the deep need that women have to be romanced and to be cherished, because unless you understand where it's coming from, you can kind of miss the point, I think. Yeah. And, I think for women, they have this very deep longing to be chosen. And what shocks many women is how fleeting this romance is, that when a couple are dating, the man, you know, is incredibly romantic. And then a lot of the complaints from women are after they get married that he just stops romancing them. And I often say to men that the chase for a woman's heart actually begins a day after you say, I do. And that's a really important point because so many people see marriage or the wedding day as the culmination. But in fact, it's just the beginning. And so if you can learn to romance a woman, then you're doing really well. And I think one of the great disappointments for many women is when a man no longer pursues her heart and no longer romances her. So it's not always, you know, flowers and candles and everything. It's, it's really the consistent things done, you know, daily that build what we call a love tank. And when you romance a woman, you're really putting deposits into that love bank, And and every couple needs that. Every relationship needs both people to be depositing into that bank account of love because we all hit difficult times and um, we need something to draw on. So so I guess my little suggestions are one big thing a year, make it your wedding anniversary (laughs) because the number of women whose husbands just forget their anniversary, it just would blow you away. So... I think that's really important. I think dress, another one is dressing things up with thoughtfulness. So I laugh at the men's conference. I'm like, you do this for your women and don't tell them it came from me, but <laughs> they'll think you're wonderful. So another couple of tips are dressing things up with thoughtfulness. So posting a card in the mail, just something, they, they're very simple things Um so at home when you're in lockdown you could create a movie night and just set it up nicely or cook her dinner and and get the kids to bed earlier or go for a walk if you can and just that physical affection too like holding a hand or a touch on the shoulder or just checking in throughout the day with messages those sorts of things, leaving notes. Sometimes Jonathan might use my really good lipstick and write me a note on the bathroom mirror, which is, <laughs> I have to, I'm like, oh, that was my good lipstick, but thank you for the message. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's the thoughtfulness, that,
1: it counts. Is the thoughtfulness <laughs> that counts. So, you know, we can do grand gestures, and yes, they're wonderful, but really it's the small things done consistently that make the difference. And so I think it's just tuning into that. And tuning into, I guess, your wife or the the woman that you're in relationship with, her love language, like what speaks to her. So, Gary Chapman, he wrote the book, The Five Love Languages, and he talks about things like affection, affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and quality time. Now, all of us will have a dominant love language. And so, I guess it's trying to study what is hers and then learning how to love her the way she wants to be loved. Because so often we give love instinctually, how we Mm. want to be loved, but it's about learning how they want to be cared for. So little things go a long way to prevent. I guess all of this stuff is about creating an atmosphere of love, which is really important. It's not this gushy, ooey feeling. It's an atmosphere that needs to be cultivated and invested in if it's going to stand the test of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I've noticed, especially the busier that we've become in our relationship with now having two little kids Yes. um, that I, in terms of like wanting to love my wife, like I'm still trying to prioritize that, but I slip into that autopilot of, okay, like what are the things that I can do that need to be done? And it's, it's less about like stepping back out of the busyness. I think, um, perhaps that's a good thing for men to keep in mind is step out of the busyness of what's going on in your life and and just pay attention to her for a bit and that's how and you can pick up a lot from from that of what she needs and what we can do to love her
1: yes and I think communication just asking her like it's a really simple thing but <laughs> creating uh, an environment where you can talk so when the kids are in bed just say look we want to have when I talk to you, and just saying, look, I know it's really busy, and just stating the obvious, it's really busy. We're in this intense season of <laughs> little kids, and they're not mm-hmm. sleeping. And but I don't want to lose. And I guess it's uh, women really appreciate when a man steps into their space and reassures them so just by saying it's pretty simple like all you have to do is say this to her and instantly she will feel more secure and feel closer to you but i think it's reassuring her i'm in it for the long haul i'm here i'm really committed to you i love you acknowledging this is a really intense season Mm -hmm. and i want to work with you on ways that we can connect so what works for you? Like what, how do you receive love or what would be meaningful for you? And sometimes it's just spelling it out that clearly instead of playing the guessing game. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think I can do a lot of men's heads in.
0: Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being direct. I, I've yeah. I sort of learned that early on um, in, in the Catholic dating world. I think there can be a lot of beating around the bush with, um, you know, uh, are we just going to hang out like, Guys might ask a girl to just hang out, and then she's like, Is it a date or is it not? Um, You know, so when it came to the time when I was going to ask out Taylor, my wife, I was like, You know, I just, I'm just going to be extremely clear so that there cannot be another interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to go on a date with me or not?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good on you. And then
0: she said that she appreciated that. So, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Going back to basics, Karen,
1: yes. what
0: do you think is the most common misunderstanding or the couple of most common misunderstandings that men have about women?
1: Sure. Look, I think it depends. Um, I guess wondering whether you're talking specifically about marriage or just in general, I think
0: I would say in general.
1: I mean, in, general. in general. Yeah. Look, I think there's um, a couple of misunderstandings. One is around this idea of communication. I think that men and women communicate very differently. And we often say that men communicate to give report, whereas women communicate to build rapport. And so often we miss each other in this area of communication, whether it's in the office or in marriage or in ministry or just in family life. I've got two daughters and a son in the middle and I'm often teaching the girls that men just don't like you coming at them (laughs) as, you know, like with this wall of sound, that's just like, and so it's about educating and and understanding how each other likes to communicate or how they do communicate. So I think for women, well often men will listen in communication to solve a problem. And so they'll listen for the facts because They like to, you know, they're very analytical. And this is a generalisation, of course. You're, You're going to have people that cross over. But in general, men like to, and they're very good at this, listening for the facts to solve the problem. Whereas women don't necessarily need, nor do they want that. Sometimes they just want you to listen to the feelings behind the facts so I tell a funny story I was preparing for one of these talks once and I was talking to Jonathan he said well well just give me the facts and I said to him well the facts aren't the point it's how I feel about the facts that matter and I think this is true that often I say to men you know sift through the facts and get to the feelings and the feelings hold the key in communication with women primarily you know often she does need your help to solve a problem but I think this area of communication is a big one and it's, it's very important. I think for those who are people who are married even more so that we do get into this season, like you're in a season with young children, we've got preteen children and, and it's, it's an intense season with running kids like everywhere. (laughs) My daughter said the other week, can you talk to daddy about this? I'm like, maybe in a week when we finally get time together when you're not all home, (laughs) but it's, um, It's tricky. So I think for people who are married, they say that you need a minimum of 15 minutes each of focused communication a day. So myself talking to my husband for 15 minutes and him talking to me for an additional 15 and that's the bare minimum that every marriage needs. So I think that's one area that we miss each other in is around this area of communication. I think that's a really big one. Um, The other one is around this idea of love and respect. And Emerson Egerich writes his book called Love and Respect. And in the Bible, he talks about how it says for men to love their wives. And we often miss, and I talk to the women about this, that it actually goes on then to say, and women respect your husbands. So he's highlighting this point that we receive love in a different sort of way. Women receive it through being cherished, but men through respect. Yeah, and yeah. I think when men feel disrespected, they behave in ways that are unloving. And when women mm. feel unloved, they behave in ways that are disrespectful. And so you can apply that. Obviously, it's, it's targeted to romantic relationships, but you can target that across the spectrum of relationships between men and women. That quite often when women are disrespecting a man, perhaps we've got to ask why that is and vice versa. So I think that's another area that I guess I, I really do speak to the women about respect and the importance of respect, but on your podcast today, talking to men about what it means to love and to be gentle with the heart of a woman. Because, you know, you can a man can say something and it can be very blunt and, and not necessarily take into account the heart of a woman and how she processes and feels about that style of communication. So I don't know if that's helpful. There, no, there are yeah. a couple of areas Um Yeah, and I I think the other one is really, and this more has to do with romantic relationships, is the place for non-sexual affection. And I think that's really, really important that Mm -hmm. often say in marriage, if your marriage is struggling in this area of intimacy and sexual intimacy, look for the missing element of non-sexual affection. And I do think that men... Kind of the onus is on them in, in many ways to step up in that area and to really invest in in that area with their wives. So, anyway, if yeah. I'm not sure if you want any more, but there's a couple no, no, of that's points. good. And
0: I think it's becoming clear to probably everybody watching or listening that we could talk about this for many, many hours. We've
1: got to hone it down,
0: yeah, but um. Just picking up on the point about non-sexual affection leads me to another question about single men out there, uh, especially single Catholic men in the, in the Catholic dating scene, I think can be very confused. I've got a lot of friends in this place. Um, they want to find a wife, but they're very confused about what Catholic women want or who they want them to be. Um, what, do, what do single Catholic women most need uh, a man to be for them?
1: Gosh, that's a big question to just put on me. <laughs> They'll all come after me if I don't answer <laughs> it correctly. You know, at some of the men, men's conferences, quite funny, earlier on in the early days, I get submissions from wives. Can you just okay. put this into your talk to the men? My husband's <laughs> going to the conference. <laughs> oh,
0: that's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Look, I think it's about. So, look, there was a study done, which I think is really helpful, many years ago about the number one quality that women are looking for in men. And it wasn't good looks and it wasn't a big bank account. It wasn't, you know, all these things. What it came down to is that men had a sense of mission, purpose and integrity. And that's very important for women, that men are strong in, in who they are and where they're going. And mm-hmm. I often present these questions. Many years ago, Jonathan and I were studying at the John Paul II Institute. And Jonathan asked one of the moral theologians if it was morally acceptable to own a particular brand of car. So <laughs> his, his response, it was quite funny. He gave us this response, and I've applied it to our relationships education because it's just beautiful. He said that we have three questions. Every human person has three questions that they need to ask, and they need to ask and answer these questions in this order. The first one is Who am I? Where am I going? And then who will travel with me? And I think we run into a lot of problems in relationships, especially young men and women, because they're going to each other to get a sense of who they are and they're getting lost. So I think women are looking for men to have a strong sense of who they are and where they're going in life and then inviting them on the journey with them. I think that's really important. I think it is very confusing. You've got a lot of very strong women and I think some men can be quite intimidated by that. Women who have this stronger sense of where they're going and and career, there's nothing wrong with. But I think that is intimidating for a lot of men and a lot of the men that I speak to feel quite intimidated by that. I think men are in a, a better position than women. There's a lot more women who would be seeking marriage than men we sort of know the statistics. So yeah. I think all the guys are, you know, they've got, you know, they've got it. Yeah. It's working in their favor. Yeah. We've and got I, it
0: pretty good as long as we can, you know, get our act together.
1: That's it. And look, I, I think it's having been married for almost 20 years and, and walked with many, many people in a mentoring role and, and pastoral role. I often see young men who don't, like you said, those words, get it together. They kind of faff around through their twenties and, mm. They don't have a sense of where they're going. I would really encourage young men to really pray and to commit to a path. And career is important and financial provision is important. I do see a lot of people sort of, faffing around, I guess, using those 20s just to, to do whatever. And then they wake up in their 30s and they're like, oh, my goodness, maybe I should get married. But, oh, I don't have a yeah. qualification. I, I can't support a family. I think yeah. those things are actually really important. And I think we don't value that enough um, mm-hmm. from what I see. Um, yeah, I think women are just looking for a real sense of integrity and a, sense, a strong sense of men knowing who they are and where they're going in life.
0: Yeah. One of the things that you've already alluded to as leading you into the work that you've been doing at the moment anyway, um, but something that also attacks directly at the integrity of men is the issue of pornography.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, we've already done a show that focused very heavily on pornography, but it's very good to, to get your perspective on, on this issue, Karen. How is a woman or a girl affected when she finds out her either her husband or her boyfriend or even a younger girl uh, finding out about her father? Um, yeah. How is she affected when she finds out he's been looking at porn?
1: Yeah, I think it goes right to the core of who she is, and it's it's funny how you know the enemy um, brings about destruction in relationship through this particular through pornography and it's it is a cancer that destroys relationships and it destroys men and women i think there's a naive idea out there that what i look at is fantasy and therefore it doesn't have any impact because what i'm doing in private doesn't affect yeah. you or doesn't it's not affect reality that's right but the truth is that and the bible talks about this that a man that looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery with her in her heart so i think when you ask the impact on a woman it is exactly this it's as if a man has actually had an affair and has been unfaithful to it it is the same impact even though i think for a lot of men they think oh it's just an image but the impact on a woman's heart is no it's that you've chosen Or a man has chosen to have his eyes entertained by someone who is not her. Now, I've also seen this in the father-daughter relationship. Obviously, it doesn't have that component of of attraction. But Mm -hmm. I think a girl feels violated. I think whether it's a girlfriend, a daughter, a wife, her dignity, even a mother with a son, this sense that her dignity has been violated. And it goes right to the heart. And I think what a woman really feels is that she is not good enough and somehow she thinks that there's something wrong with her I've walked with so so many women I I couldn't even tell you it's it's insane the number of women whose husbands and boyfriends are hooked on pornography who are really good catholic men Mm. and who are struggling and I, I think you know I try and teach them that it's not well, it's not about them. It's not about the woman. It's actually a disordered, you know, it's a sin and it's a disordered part of sexuality. Like we know that Satan takes something that's beautiful and it he perverts it. And it's, it's just tragic to watch the impact on relationships. The other thing that I see is that, and my heart breaks for young women. I actually tell women, if their boyfriend is seriously looking at pornography, they should break it off and not go into marriage because research shows that no man who looks at pornography on a regular basis can ever have a healthy relationship with a woman. Mm. Um, And so it's just mind blowing. I walk with so many women and the impact actually, once they enter marriage, so if a woman chooses to go into marriage with a man who has an addiction to pornography, sooner or later, at some point in the marriage, that is going to blow up because pornography is addictive. So, you know, the cycle of addiction is it draws you back, it escalates, you need more substance of a harder nature to satisfy you, then you become desensitised. So men become very callous. So that relationship within marriage becomes quite callous emotionally, sexually, socially. And then finally you have men who take that next step where they're acting out. So I've walked with many women whose husbands have had affairs, visited prostitutes who have, you know, run up a huge household debt on hardcore pornography. Mm -hmm. And I I like to make the point that this isn't just, it's not some men out in the street. These are really good men who are really struggling with this issue. What I see is that there's not enough support for the women who are in this relationship because research is showing us more and more that the impact on her is they they develop post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD and anxiety. And so and this is a real thing. So they get very triggered. Um, It's a very complex situation that I think for women, what men need to know is that they essentially feel that their dignity has been violated and that they at their core are not good enough. So I've had women say, wives say, you know, well, if I had have performed those acts, if I had have done this that he wanted, then maybe it wouldn't be an issue. And it's like, no, because what he's doing is he's taking what he's seeing and wanting to play that out in their relationship, which is never okay. Yeah.
0: What have have you seen as effective in relationships, especially in the lives of men, um, helping them to recover from pornography?
1: Mm. Yeah, there's, I mean, there is, I think... The first step is getting over the misunderstanding that it's a case of boys will be boys or that you can just go to confession and you'll beat this thing. Yeah. Just it's, it's, a, it's that's a myth. It doesn't happen. The research shows us that it's as addictive as heroin. So it's actually lighting up parts of the brain. So you, you're carving out neural pathways that turn into an addiction. And so like with any addiction, alcohol, gambling, drugs, you need to detox from the addictive substance and you need to walk the steps of recovery. So there's programs, SA, Sexaholics Anonymous, which some people laugh at, but there's some really great programs out there where you're not going to beat this alone. So if a man is hooked on pornography, he needs to bring it into the light, number one. Yes, he needs to go to confession. Um, he needs an accountability partner, someone who is checking in and who is honest with, and if he has a serious sort of addiction and, and compulsion, then he really needs to look at getting involved in a recovery program. And, and that's we're talking years to get come out of this come out of this addiction. If you've been looking at it for many years, because you really need to rewire your sexuality. There is a great program, and I'll have to send you for your show notes the link to it in yeah. USA where they really do look at sexual integrity and restoring sexual integrity. And it's a great program that men can do online. Um, So I'll send you that link because it's very good. Fantastic. Do you remember the name of the program? I don't. I'll have to hunt around for it for you because there's quite a few. But there's one I know of that's really, really good and has been very successful with a lot of of men.
0: Yeah. I'll just speak a little bit to... The, the whole brain thing that's going on in pornography too um, I think you know if you look at psychiatry it's the it's the only kind of doctor that doesn't you know sort of cut open the the patient and look at what's going on inside, um, but mm-hmm. some psychiatrists are actually starting to do um, SPECT scans on people 's brains yeah. um, where you can actually see the the physical structure of the brain looks different it's not just some subconscious thing going on it's actually physical change, and just because you can't like look at it with your eyes doesn't mean it's not physical it's just that it's like inside your skull that you can't see it but there really is a, a physical change going on there that that needs to be treated um, with any kind of addiction
1: yes yeah absolutely and and it takes time there's no quick fix with it and I think this is where people sometimes lack formation and it's really helpful talking about these And bring it into the light is that it takes a lot of time and you need a lot of support I like to call them goalposts you need to whatever we face in life whatever difficulty whether it's the death of a child or whether it's a pornography addiction or a difficult marriage it's about having goalposts around you that uh, anchors. So for a man who is struggling with pornography, he needs a good priest or a spiritual director in his corner. He needs some good friends. He needs a counsellor or a psychologist. He needs an accountability and a recovery program. Like there's a lot of elements to
0: yeah.
1: Um, recovery. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're
0: many faceted as, as human beings. There's not mm-hmm. just one aspect to us. No,
1: it's, that's right.
0: Yeah. Um, the psychologist James Dobson, who many people might know from Focus on the Family, he says that the number one cause of depression in marriage is wives who are never romanced. Um, so how can we continue to romance, our, how can we continue to pursue our wives, Karen?
1: Yeah, I think one book that I recommend, so any married men who are listening to this, one book I highly recommend is The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by John Gottman. So Mm -hmm. he studied couples over a period of seven years, uh, many years, and looked at he could predict divorce within the first 10 minutes of speaking with them. And he came up with a whole lot of principles around marriage like making marriage work and they're really fantastic. So I think a couple of them which I'll give to you today and then I encourage people to to go further and read the book. In terms of romance, in terms of pursuit of the woman's heart, I guess is getting to know her. So John Gottman talks about enhancing your love map, which means it's like knowing her as well as you know a postage stamp. How well do you know each other and investing in building this map and getting to know her. Um, Another one is for marriages that are in a tricky situation or under pressure is nurturing, he calls a fondness and admiration system. So it's about focusing on the positives and expressing gratitude for the things that your wife is doing well. So I think that can wire our brain in a certain way. If we're focusing Mm. on what is positive and what we're grateful for our brain. I mean, our brains automatically go to a negative bias. That's how we're wired, but it's a discipline to to affirm the positive. Um, I think another one is just trying to communicate, which we've spoken about Mm -hmm. and creating shared meaning and rituals of connection. So I really recommend having a date day, night event once a week making sure you have that time and commit to it religiously, doing a couple of big things a year. Um, Just like I said earlier, whether or not it's flowers or a note in the mail or something little, those gestures actually mean a lot and just show that you are thinking of her and that you are caring for her. Yeah,
0: that's super practical, really, really good. Um, I'm I'm very intrigued to read this book now <laughs>
1: yeah well it's um, a very good book i yeah really really recommend it so yeah
0: yeah uh, something else that um Gottman talks about which i picked up when i when i listened to your talk um is on the negative side of the spectrum he talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse and and that these are the your indicators of divorce yes. can you can you talk to us a little bit about what these are and how can we spot them And how do we address them before it's too
1: late? Yeah, I think these are really important because I think what happens in marriages is you can drift along and unless you're being intentional about romance and communication and affection and intimacy and all these things, unless you're being intentional, you can find, you can wake up one day and find that you've drifted way off course or you've drifted apart. And it happens very subtly and it happens Over time, and and I would say after 19 years of marriage with three kids and we run a business and it can happen to anybody. And so we find we have to be really intentional about fighting for that time and making it a priority. So he talks about these four men of the apocalypse and he uses this metaphor to talk about end times. So once these, he says, march into a marriage, they signal end times. But it's not without hope because there's always an antidote. So I'll give you the four and then I'll give you the antidote, how we can fight back against them. So the four horsemen of the apocalypse, as Gottman describes, are criticism, contempt, defensiveness and stonewalling. So these creep in, they creep in very subtly and we really need to be on our guard. So number one is criticism. And this happens obviously when we start attacking a person. So he said there's a big difference between a criticism and a complaint. So I might say to Jonathan, when you do this, I feel this. But if I'm like, you always da-da-da-da-da, then that's a criticism. So there's a big difference. So with a wife, I think wives are more guilty of this. I often say to men that what comes across as nagging is actually... Sometimes her trying to connect and, and fix a relationship, but perhaps she doesn't have good skills in this area herself. But I think when criticism comes in, it becomes quite pervasive and it is the door that opens the way for the other horsemen. So an antidote to criticism is to make a complaint on a specific behaviour. So like I said, when you do this, I feel I need this. So I'm just trying to think of an example. I'm trying to teach my son to put the toilet seat down. So I'll use that as an example. (laughs) So instead of like my daughter the other day, you're disgusting. Why can't you put the toilet seat down? And so I'm trying to (laughs) teach her to say to him, when you leave the toilet seat up, I feel like it's gross or I feel like you don't care about the girls in the house. I need you to put the seat down each time. So that's a, a, a gentle start up as opposed to a harsh sort of startup. Yeah. So that's number one is criticism. The second one is contempt. Contempt is probably the greatest, the single greatest predictor of divorce. And communication wow. in this state is just straight out mean where you're disrespecting, mocking, their sarcasm, eye rolling, name calling. And the target of the contempt is really to make the other person feel worthless and it assumes a position of moral superiority. I'm better than you, therefore I can treat you like this. Mm. And it's fueled by these long simmering negative thoughts that run around in our head. So the antidote to contempt is to really build a culture of appreciation and respect. So if if you think the motto is small things done often, that's it. So regularly express gratitude, regularly express appreciation. might be really small. You might be feeling negative and and upset with your wife over something, but maybe she's cooked dinner. So you can say thank you for cooking the meal or thank you for tidying the house or thank you for running this errand or just those small things. I think if we can develop that habit, then we can sort of, hold off this contempt entering marriage so criticism contempt the third one is defensiveness and this happens when we're responding to criticism like none of us like to be criticized and so our immediate reaction is going to be to defend ourselves. so we make excuses or we reverse the blame instead of actually accepting responsibility and showing understanding and defensiveness will always escalate the conflict and it doesn't allow for healthy conflict resolution. So the antidote to defensiveness is to take responsibility. So to accept your part in the conflict. So an example might be, I don't know, say I was said I was going to pick something up from the shop and I forgot to do it. And Jonathan was really upset. He came home and he has a go at me for not picking it up. So I can be defensive. Well, you have no idea what I've had on da-da-da. Or I can say, and this is the antidote, you're right, I'm really sorry, and that owns what I've done and it apologises, it shows understanding. So I think I walk with quite a lot of women and so I hear a lot of different stories about different marriages and dynamics and I think sometimes men can be more defensive than women. I think it has to do with this need for respect and so I really encourage men to take responsibility, to really own and to be receptive to what they are contributing to a situation. Yeah. So, And then the final one is stonewalling. So this is how we respond to contempt. Stonewalling is where a person withdraws, they shut down, they basically stop responding. Rather than confronting the issue, they shut their partner out. And it's a really bad habit. So I think the antidote to this is to increase, I guess, the hormones that trigger the fight or flight. Like when you're stonewalling, you're really angry and so you shut them out. So what you can do is say, okay, I need some time out. I'm feeling disrespected. Can we talk about this in an hour? So you're setting a time where you're going to come back to resolve the issue because quite often it's the men who stonewall and then the women make the fatal mistake of going after them (laughs) Mm. and that just makes it worse. But I think if a man can say, I'm really angry, I'm really upset at the moment, I need some time, and then you say, I'll come back in whatever time or can we talk about this later, that goes a long way. So I think those things are really, really important And I think if you can develop that culture in your marriage when things are good, then you have something to draw on when you do and you will hit a difficult season. I mean, it will happen. And I think this is one thing that Hollywood has sort of done us a great disservice in, in presenting this ideal of love, as love as a feeling. And Mm -hmm. so that feeling is going to run out at some point because it's, it's, physiological, like those emotions and those hormones we feel when we fall in love, like they are driven by hormones. And so they have to peter out at some point. And at that point, you actually have to get about the business of building a relationship that's going to see you through a lifetime. And I love the principle in the Bible of you reap what you sow. So I believe that in our relationships between men and women, we can sow a famine or a feast by the choices we make in how we interact with one another daily. And Mm -hmm. if you can learn and then apply these things, you can sow a feast into your relationships, which can be really beautiful. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of marriage talks talk about resolving conflict. I think this is really important, but I think our focus perhaps needs to shift a little more to resolving love and to resolving and to restoring love, sorry, in relationship. And these are some of the ways that, that we do it.
0: Yeah. I I love um, reading about neuroplasticity, Karen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is just making me think or reinforcing for me in my mind that a good relationship is built on good habits and good habits are actually, you know, the pathways in our minds. Yes. So, You know, if we can, in a good season, put habits into place of being grateful for each other. Um, I mean, I think of when I was uh, doing mission work with, with Net Ministries yes. and how they tried to build that kind of culture on our team. And I didn't come from a, a home or a background where we were taught to be, you know, really, really thankful for everything. <laughs> um, yes. And so, you know, they were encouraging us to behave this way on our team. And it felt disingenuous to me. But then now learning about how the brain actually works, the only reason it felt disingenuous is because it was unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. But if you just keep on practising it, begins to feel more genuine. That's
1: <laughs> right. You have to
0: actually do the action first and make it a habit, and wait yeah. for the feeling to come afterwards.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, Karen. So we're, we're actually heading towards the end of the time. It's just absolutely... <laughs> Spared by, this tends yep. to happen on the show.
1: Um,
0: uh, Karen, we like to issue a challenge to our men yes. every week over the next seven days, something that they can do. It might be something that they can do daily or it might be just you know something that whenever they get the opportunity to do it, if they do it at least once in the next seven days. Yes. How would you like to challenge our Maximus men over the next week? <laughs>
1: Oh, this is good. <laughs> but look, I'll I'll leave you with a challenge in the form of a quote, and I'll, I'll um tell you the quote, and then I'll explain. So it comes right. from John Paul II's work, and the the challenge will be a question, which is, who right. will you be? So John Paul II, in his work with you know men and women, he said that at every moment in history, for its poise and its balance. Life depends on who she will be for him and on who he will be for her. And so I think my challenge to the men is who will you be for the women in your life this week? So that can apply to um, consecrated men, single men, married men, because all of you will be doing life with some women, <laughs> whether yeah. they be your mothers, your sisters, your wives, your daughters, whatever. Um, Your girlfriends. So, who will you be for the women in your life? And I love another thing that John Paul too said was he talked about being schooled in authentic love. Yeah. I think if you're single and you're not dating, like this does still apply to you because you can learn with your wives, your sisters, the women you work with, you can start to put this into practice. Um, And then if you're married, who will you be for your wife, in your family, in your role as a husband and provider? So I think that's my challenge. Who will you be for the women in your life this week?
0: That's a fantastic challenge. And I will remind everybody in our group about that. Finally, Karen, are there any resources that you'd like to point us towards, um, how people can connect with you? Um, Yeah, anything relevant to men, first of all?
1: Yeah, look, Jonathan um, does a daily podcast. um, Yeah that he does, which I'm sure most, a lot of people are familiar with for parents. Like we have a lot of schools resources on these topics on the um, choices.com.au website for men who are wanting to support their wives or their girlfriends. There's obviously the sisterhood movement thing in Australia and an initiative that I've started is called the genius project, which is an initiative for Catholic women. So That's what we've got on offer. We do have a small book on the impact of pornography and there are a few, quite a few talks online that we have done on various topics over the years. So, yeah.
0: So there's heaps there and maybe um, in response to your challenge for the week, one of the, charitable things that men can do for the women in their lives is actually refer them to, um, your, your new
1: podcast at the genius project
0: or help to
1: grow them in their faith. That would be great. Yeah. So the genius podcast is on all major platforms. Um, so they can have a listen along to that as well, but God bless you. And thank you for your ministry to men. Cause just on behalf of the women, I just am very grateful I know that a lot of the women are grateful for these ministries that reach out and really help to support the men in their roles with, with their, the women they do life with. So thank you.
0: Yeah, oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Karen, would you like to say a closing prayer for all of the men watching or listening?
1: Sure can. I can do that. <laughs> well, look, thanks for having me. It's been, been a joy. Pleasure, pleasure. Still our spirit. Father in heaven, I thank you for this ministry and for the men who are drawn to it lord i pray that you would send your holy spirit into each of their lives you know their stories you know their struggles you know their strengths lord i pray that you would draw them closer to you that they would grow into the fullness of who you have created them to be as men of god and i just pray for their integrity i pray for their life i pray for any challenges that they're facing right now that your spirit would be upon and with and go before them. And I thank you for this ministry. I ask you to bless it abundantly. And just thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank Thanks you. so
0: much, Karen. It's been an absolute gift and a pleasure having you on our show. Hopefully uh, we'll be able to do it again.
1: Sounds good.
0: For all the men out there, make sure that you complete Karen's challenge for the week and I'll be reminding you about that. Tune in again to Maximus and try to date this next week. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there and in the meantime we'll see you in the Facebook group. God bless.